Woo! Tuesday morning. I got to give you a warning, my friends. Ready to kick ass and take names this morning. Trained out there with the freaking Motivator Mummies. Had a nice crew out in formation. Where I got knocked out some Tabata style calisthenics, 100 jumping jacks, all kinds of emphasis on core and cardio and broke it down to body parts and exercises, did 100 push-ups, did 100 side straddle hops, 100 squats at least, all kinds of cardio, little martial arts, <clears throat> and then grabbed the weights, nice set of dumbbells per person, hoisted that shit up every which way, every exercise as you can imagine, and my heart is pumping very efficiently right now. All the blood is going from my fingers and my toes and everywhere in between that, courtesy of my very efficient, powerful heart muscle. Thank you. 60 to 100 beats per minute. Kicking ass, taking friggin' names. Still sweating right, from that fierce workout. Hats off to all the mummies that made it out there in the crypt of Count Dracula's castle. Feel good, man. Feel capable. Feel ready to attack the world. You know, some of you anuses right now, 7 11 a.m., you might feel like, yeah, a little friggin' nasty, dragging ass, creaky joints, bedhead, horrible halitosis, dragon breath. Just trying to get going on a dreary Tuesday morning. Imagine that. It's fucking foggy and raining in Pennsylvania. <clears throat> Word has it there's a little hurricane maybe coming coming through the Caribbean right now. Maybe going to hit us with something on Thursday. We'll see what happens. Shit, if it ain't raining, we ain't training, right? Let's, let's talk a little bit this morning about shit talking. All right. Talking shit, which... You know, there's some current events right now. We've got, you know, football season in full swing. A lot of the trash talking is used as a strategy by some of these uh, players. In particular, I'm thinking of, uh, I was watching on Good Morning Football, Jalen Ramsey. I believe he's a cornerback. Versus, again, Tyreek Hill. And so... Reporters were asking prior to the game, hey, what do you think about it? Are you going to be able to cover Tyreek Hill? Oh, I'll be able to cover Tyreek Hill. Well, I got all these awards, and I'm friggin', you know, Heisman Trophy winner, first draft, da-da-da-da-da, and he ain't nothing. He's not really that that cow, but, like, he's good and all, but da-da-da-da. Talking all kinds of shit about what he's going to do come game day, which, you know, part of that is, is part of the game and gamesmanship, the mental picture, the mental um, battle that is waged out there. And so it's understandable. It is understandable. And part of it goes too far because the problem is when you talk shit is you risk looking like an absolute anus hole when, when you freaking get your ass beat out there. And, of course, the Kansas City Chiefs took it to Jacksonville or whoever the hell that was led by Blake Buttholes. They took it to him. And Jalen Ramsey couldn't really cover Tyreek Hill. So, 
I'm sure Tyreek Hill had his words too. I mean, it's hard not to answer these challenges, accusations, accusations, gauntlets thrown down, but there's an example of looking like a dope when you get beat out. But if you can keep your, stay relatively humble and just actions speak louder than words sort of thing, philosophy, then you're going to come home with a win. And you look really good from that perspective. Another example is uh, another current event, the Conor McGregor, Khabib, Arganimov, Russian guy, right? Conor versus Khabib, UFC, mixed martial arts bout, you know, heralded as the biggest fight in the world ever, which, you know, how many times have we heard that, but Conor McGregor, and he's a tremendous fighter and probably a wonderful human being, has many redeeming qualities, but he loves to talk shit, and he gets, he makes it personal, Uh, maybe it's building up in his mind this villain that he's got to bring to justice, or this person that is nothing as compared to him, like you have to definitely win that, you know, wage that war within, right, it's important, you can get in the in the head of your opponent. But, you know, Conor McGregor talks relentlessly, talks so much feces. And he got his ass choked out in the fourth round of this fight. He didn't, at no point did it look like he won, I don't think he won a round of this five-round bout. Now, he's been off for a couple, two years he hasn't fought. He's been suspended for a while because he you know, attacked the team bus with, that had Khabib on it and threw a dolly at it, smashed a window. People have shards of glass in their eye. Like, really, you know, had his posse of Irishmen out there for blood. And the UFC, you know, obviously they didn't condone this behavior, but they kind of, it was convenient because they were able to use it to build up the fight. Well, lo and behold, the same shit happens after... Khabib choked his ass out in the fourth round. You know, these two opposing, you know, opposing teams, you know, Connor and Khabib and all their henchmen, their entourage, they inevitably clash, and it's because of all the shit that was talked. You know, it's it's like a friggin' fight in the friggin' hallways in school or something like that at that point, some sort of riot, you know. I'm just saying that you look so much better if you can be a respectful fighter, a respectful athlete, a respectful person. Um, to me, a champion is somebody who can keep their mouth shut and speak with their actions. Who who can we talk about here in this regard? Of course, sports figures are, are um, helpful in this regard, right? So I would say... A humble champion in mixed martial arts is George St. Pierre. He was a champion for a very long time. Many title defenses, kicked everybody's ass up and down all over the ring. And he's still a nice guy. He's a decent human being, you know, that has morals and values and doesn't feel like he needs to. Like his, his, um, his resume speaks for itself. So there's that. Uh, let's see. 
Larry Fitzgerald from the Arizona Cardinals, right? Gets a lot of airtime about being a decent individual beyond, you know, off the field, on the field. You know, he can speak with his actions. He can catch that freaking ball. He can make a tremendous plays. He's earned a lot of respect. You know, at one point in time, was he cocky as fuck? Hell yeah. Screws up, you know, but you learn your lesson and you mature a little bit. Um, politics, you know, Donald Trump versus Barack Obama. Donald Trump is a, you know, a serial shit talker, you know, to the point where he, the truth is a relative term for him. I mean, literally he's, the truth is what he makes it to be. He creates his own narrative and obviously I don't like him. Even those who voted for him have to admit that this guy is like a championship shit talker, doesn't care who gets caught in the crossfires, he's going to attack you in order to win. And that's one strategy, right? Barack Obama, you know, he's an intelligent guy, articulate, in contrast to Trump, and uh, anybody, any president, any politician, it is humble compared to Donald Trump. Doesn't he? Doesn't he make other politicians, other people look like friggin' saints? So there's an example. You know, and all the shit talking, you do it enough, it inevitably bites you in the ass. So don't be that person. Try to be kind even when you feel like you've got an axe to grind or you're pitted in competition in whatever sense with people. I feel. It's worth it to be, you know, uh, on the up and up, to be kind, to be helpful to people. That's That way you're not going to find as many knives stuck in your back. Because, listen, you can talk all the shit you want, but when you turn around, people are going to, you, you know, they're, they're going to go after you. And if you think that you're on their side, they're going to tuck tail and run on you and leave you hanging just like they talk shit and, uh, you know, fail to support everybody else in their lives. Also, you talk so much shit, what does that say about you? You know, what does that say about your morals, your values, what type of person are you? You ain't coming to Thanksgiving dinner, right? Now, talking shit in that sense, I think is, I think is, I'm not a fan of it, obviously. Talking shit, like talking smack, you know, ribbing with your buddies, that's cool. Right? I mean, I come from you know, my upbringing where I was back in the block, and this is p- kind of what you do in that pecking order. Uh, some people come out looking a little bit better in these frays, but we're always constantly trying to rise above. Ooh, what's she wearing today? All right, well, you know, I'm wearing this nasty old dress. Well, look at her. She always looks so nice and put together. Oh, I love your hair. A uh, nice pocketbook. You know, look at my ratty shit. You know, so we're always constantly judging one another, and not necessarily just by our looks, but by our conduct and by our status and all this stuff, by our successes or failures in life. And everybody's trying to figure out, well, where do I fit in? Where, you know, um, what kind of, uh, what, what is my status in this in this life? What is my worth? And of course, you know, there's the material and there's the tangible. And then there's the intangible worth, right? Self-worth, confidence, 
confidence over arrogance. What else? But yeah, so growing up, ribbing each other in the hallways, you got your buddies, you know, to be part of the the team. Often there's some light hazing involved, you know, punching you, smacking you, playing pranks on you. It's cool as long as it's all in good fun. But there's always going to be somebody who's going to take it out of uh, you know, that realm, beyond the fun, beyond the novelty of it. They're going to make it, uh, you know, an injurious reprehensible conduct. So, um, talking about ribbing, talking about me, uh, playing pranks. Listen, back in my Marine Corps days, holy shit. You know, I like to say, nothing is sacred, as I've said in another podcast. Nothing is sacred when you're working in a tight-knit group like that. When you're really part of a team, particularly with men, but also with women. I mean, I can only speak for men. As a United States Marine grunt, you're part of a uh, platoon of 30 individuals. And you've got a hierarchy of leadership. Right? You've got a team leader who's in charge of three people and himself. You've got a squad leader who's in charge of three teams, so 12 individuals. Right? You've got a platoon sergeant, which is in charge of four, uh, three or four squads. So, and up and up and up. And so, everybody's got a job, and everybody needs to know one, everybody else's job on top of their own. And you've got to be fast, you've got to be strong, you've got to be smart. And if you're not, you know, like I said, if you got a bad breath, people are going to freaking know you by that. They're going to talk about that shit. That's going to be your nickname, all right? Dragon breath. Shit breath. If you got freaking pimple on your face, people are going to call you freaking zit face or <laughs> horrible things. I mean, there's horrible, hilarious um, nicknames and kind of frat boyish. I know that's not a very positive uh looked upon very highly these days with the Kavanaugh thing, but in these organizations, in fraternities, in sororities, in the scholastic arena, elementary school, K through friggin' 12, man, and beyond, there are organizations, and everybody's trying to figure out, everybody wants to win, everybody wants to pass that test and, you know, get that degree and get that job, and they're competing, Maybe I'll tell my anatomy class that this morning. Listen, you better bust your ass. You guys are competing. You're competing, trying to find your, you know, trying to get a good grade in this class. You got to get into the nursing program. Once you're in a nursing program, you got to score well, do well. You'll get the respect of your peers and your superiors. Who knows? Maybe one of your teachers might know somebody who can get you a job. You can say you got a 3.0, 4.0, this honor or that, right? And people, you know, you're selling yourself. While in the process of that competition and to win the day and to, to get the degree and all that shit, rubbing is racing, my friends. People are going to friggin'... Some people are going to study more. Some people are going to study less. Everybody's going to be wondering what everybody else is doing. How do you study? Oh, she gets straight A's. She's awesome. Oh, I'm just a piece of shit. But I don't really care. I just, as long as I get a B, I'm fine. All right. Whatever. Internally, that person's probably really suffering. So the competition is always happening. It is a, it is a fuel to the fire, to the shit-talking fire oftentimes. Back to hazing. All right. Rubbing is racing. You're in the friggin' core, man. When you, when you come in... 
to your new unit, you know what everybody did? We we would get, like, say, a couple dozen of us arrived from the School of Infantry to uh, 1st Battalion, 6th Marines. This is 1993. They put us all in, in rooms and brought us in a little, like, a basically a studio apartment. Tiny-ass room uh, with a bunch of bunk beds. Two or three to a room lived in these places. Two or three smelly guys smoking cigarettes, dipping, masturbating the whole friggin' nine yards, fighting, playing video games, hanging posters and friggin' blaring music and shitty cologne and cowboy boots and all your combat gear, all that shit, all stuffed in one tiny room. So all of us newbies that showed up, they put us in one of these rooms with the rest of the platoon that we were going to be invited into, and they jammed us all, all the new guys, in the bathroom, which is a tiny little place. Very dangerous just to do that. They put a dozen guys in a friggin' bathroom. And then one by one, they would pull us out, and they would pink belly us. So what pink bellies were, get three slaps. Guys would hold down a Marine, pull his blouse up, his t-shirt up. I know, they call the camo top. Army, they call them BDUs, but the Marine Corps call them camis. Pull up, pull up the cami blouse or cami top <clears throat> and the friggin' olive drab t-shirt. Pull that shit up and off. Pour canteens of water on the guy's thorax, and then everybody got three slaps. And guys had little, uh, flare to their slaps. So one guy would run across the room and he could hit you as hard as he can. One, two, three. Another guy would do like a little fast thing. Slap as fast as he can three times. You know, and you know, you get a dozen guys or more that are going to deliver the pink belly. Guys come out, their freaking bellies are beet red, capillaries are broken, ruptured. They've got handprints on their, on their abdomen. And this was part of the rite of passage, like, welcome to the unit. So that's why I'm, the point I'm trying to make is about the shit-talking. It's, in some circles, it's like, hey, you're part of the team now, right? Another example of it in the Corps was once you get to a certain rank, you make the rank of pro- from private is E1, enlisted rank 1. PFC is E2. So PFC, everybody gets to punch you in the shoulder. So you walk down a gauntlet. In other words, two columns facing one another. You walk down in between all these Marines, and everybody gets to punch you in the shoulder as you walk by. And some guys are freaking swinging for the fences and knock your damn shoulder off, you know? And there's guys who are really badly hurt with this and sore for a long time. Probably rotator cuff tears and everything else, but... Most often, it was just horrible bruising and soreness, right? Fortunately, we were very young, so we could heal up quickly. Um, The next rite of passage was when you made corporal, now you were what's called a non-commissioned officer. So you get some rank, you get some uh, perks, a little bit more money, uh, put you in a leadership role, perhaps, make you a squad leader or something, team leader. Everybody that is your rank or higher, in other words, anybody who's already an E4 corporal, gets to dead leg you. So they come up and they put their 
hands on your shoulders and then they drive their kneecap into the side of your thigh. That sucks. Let me tell you, I saw somebody get dead-legged one time, not during this sort of uh, ceremony, but just walking, just walking. We are walking to some class or something on the base, and uh, my one buddy went up to the other and just ran up to him and dead-legged him right in the side of the thigh. And he freaking collapsed. He passed right out. <laughs> he passed right out, fell right in the freaking ground. And I was like, what the hell, man? We, we slapped him, revived his ass, picked him up. And it was okay. I don't know what the hell happened. You, know, you hear about pressure points and all that shit. You know, uh, do this press on this or chop this point on somebody's neck. Well, you know, they're going to or touch this point on somebody's solar plexus. That they're, you're going to sh- stop them in the tracks. Or, uh, you know, whatever. This this certainly stopped him in his tracks. I don't know if it was the pain or some sort of neurological phenomenon that just shut him down. But boom, he goes down the ground. And uh, we revived him, got him up, put his friggin' cover on, his hat. And we went and got our class. And he was pissed. He was friggin' bewildered. That was nuts. So these are some rites of passage and some, I guess, shit-talking gone awry where it transcends into physical abuse. And this, in, in the environment that I was functioning in, I think it was almost essential. Now, hazing is outlawed now. You hear about it sometimes with uh, in the civilian sector, like in the band setting, school bands, I guess, are notoriously cruel with their hazing. And that's fucked up. You know, take a trumpet player or a tuba guy and do some horrible shit to him. And somebody died. Every once in a while, somebody takes it freaking way out of, way out of context. You know, way, goes way out of line with this. And somebody gets hurt. But my point, I'm saying it's a good thing, but when you're working so closely with another man or woman, say it's a man in the Marine Rifle Squad. When you're working that close with somebody, you know everything about them, right? You know their freaking name, rank, serial number on their weapon, you know, what their, who their, what their girlfriend's name is, where they're from, what their hometown is. You've probably been home with them. You're out there in a fighting hole with them, sitting in the freaking fighting hole half filled with water, in the mud, freaking ticks, all over your ass, mosquitoes buzzing around your ears, giving you the chills. You got that person next to you. Your family's not there with you. Your girlfriend's not there with you. You are there with that one individual, and the time that you share is precious, and it's you're all you got. You're all you need, right? We all we got. We all we need. That's what it was. And so... When you're that close with someone, you inevitably are going to um, you know, give them a hard time sometimes in a similar manner maybe to the way spouses will fight and, and be a little bit cruel to one another sometimes. It's kind of like that. It's, it's even stronger than that, that kind of bond. You spend so much time together. You know each other so well. And so 
you talk a lot of shit, but typically it's out of love and out of necessity because the things that you could potentially endure together, say in a combat environment or whatever, particularly harsh. So all this stuff is just kind of like, fuck it, nothing sacred, you know. I'm going to come home this weekend. You think your sister will want to fool around with me? Stuff like that. Or, uh, you know, beat each other up, pick each other up off the ground, dust off, and have a stronger bond as a result of it. It's very strange. But this is all human nature sort of stuff when people function in these tight units like this. I don't know why I wound up talking about the Marine Corps. Maybe because... Just a vivid time in my life, vivid period, memories are very strong, and so I relate most things to my period in service. Just a concentrated period of learning and suffering and learned a lot about people, and so I've seen a lot of people talk shit, talk shit with the best of them. Let me think of some of my... uh, some good examples. I told you a story about Benthead when this guy comes to the unit and his name was Denny, you know, Private Denny Marchbanks. Marchbanks, if you know, you're still around, I hope you are. I mean, no no, uh, hard feelings. But, you know, my platoon sergeant says, hey, platoon, this is freaking Denny Marchbanks. He's a new guy in our platoon. I'd like you to welcome him. He wants to be called Scarface. If you look, he's got a little scar running down the right side of his face. <laughs> Scarface, right? If you take a look at him now, I think I think Benthead is more appropriate. So, I mean, just fucking humiliate the guy right in front of everybody. And he took it in stride. Probably wants to kill us all. Another guy had a lisp, and freaking everybody would, you know, talk with a lisp when they were around him. He probably hates us. Sure he does. Um what else there's so many there's too many stories to recount phrases examples talked about pink bellies <laughs> just I outright abuse because you could wind up in a combat environment and so you know what it is you know what a good term to end on is uh, the phrase gallows humor is what it is gallows humor like let's take the gloves off you know we might go out there and fight and die we might have to suffer out there for a long period of time many men better than us have charged that hill and gotten mowed down or whatever we have to be a little bit crazy and very very tough and so the little names that we're going to call one another they don't mean much They only bring us together because when the bullets start flying, we're going to, we're going to be tighter than brothers, tighter than family. And I think that anybody who's a veteran can relate to that sort of gallows humor is, it's probably what it is. Probably why there's so much shit talking in the military. So tight, train hard, train the way you're going to fight. cut loose a little gallows humor on all of your problems. <clears throat> it 
So, in summary, if you're going to talk shit, you better be able to back it up. Don't write frickin' any checks that your ass can't cash, right? Your mouth wrote a check. Was a friggin' uh, who was that? Limp Biscuit. Because your mouth wrote a check that your ass can't cash. So don't do that stuff. Don't talk shit. Be humble. Perform. Kick ass. Be a quiet worker. Earn the respect of individuals. And people will figure out where you are, what your position is. That you're a fierce competitor. That's what I try to be like. Try to encourage that. Um, And even if there is some humor, some potentially offensive humor or some shit talking, it is all coming from the right place. Not everybody can pull that off, though. You guys have a great day. I'll talk to you tomorrow.